0: And welcome to the HTO channel again. We are just so glad you're stopping by today. Thank you for coming by and doing Bible study with me. Um, If you'll just be sure to hit that notification bell, you'll be posted on any new videos coming up. Um, Again, we always start with what's our why, and that's just a way of just to identify when we know why we do something and then we notice benefits from it. We tend to stick with it, remain with it, remain committed to it. So that's our whole point. You know, it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 where it reads, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed correctly, teaching or rightly dividing the word of truth. So we do what we do. Because we just know that we need it for our lives. We need it for the people that are in our lives. And so just reading God's word and communing communing with the Father is such a benefit. So if you're ready, let's get started. So we just want to invite the Father today to just come in and help us. It says that... The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And so we don't approach this Bible as um, any other textbook, God. We are just asking for your assistance. We're asking for you to highlight and reveal truth, God, and the things that you need for us to make sense, God, make sense for us. God, we just thank you and we acknowledge your word, God. We know that you said man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God that you send your word to accomplish and that it will not return unto you void God. and so we thank you for your word we thank you for your holy scripture we thank you for the 66 books we thank you for the prophets that has gone before us and the scribes and all that have take all the people that you have used God To give us a word, to give us a guide, to show us how to live, how to live holy lives, pleasing and acceptable unto you, God. And so we just thank you, Lord, for your word. There are no other words, Lord. And so we bless your holy name for it, God. Come on in the room. We love and we adore you for it is in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today, before we begin, we just want to start with worship right where you are, just if you can, just shut your eyes and just shut everything out. Relax your mind, still your body, calm your thoughts, and just take a moment to get in touch with your spirit. It says in Genesis that he breathed the breath of life and man became a living soul. And so we have, we live in a body and we're living souls and it's all because we received the breath of Almighty God. And if you've been born again, your spirit has been renewed. He's given you a new spirit to commune with him. So right now, just become aware of his presence. You know, he says in his word that he seeks a worshiper. So let God. Yourself be found by him today. Not that he doesn't know where you are but that he can hear worship coming from you ascending to the throne like sweet incense. So right now just relax your shoulders back and just think about the goodness of God. How worthy he is. You know worship is just when you take a moment and just acknowledge his presence. Call him Who he truly is in your life, father and faithful and friend. And so today we won't reduce worship down to one moment during the week accompanied by song. But we acknowledge his presence and recognize that we were created to worship him. And So in your own way, however you do it, you might want to even pause this right now and just lift up a Hallelujah. You just want to say thank you, Jesus. Hi. We thank the Father for sending His Son. We thank the Father for sending His Son to die on the cross for our sins. That's enough to worship Him. So again, you might want to lift up your hands. You might want to sit in silence. Let's redefine what he's looking for when he says worship. No one can do it for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're worthy, God. Hallelujah. So even if you need to pause the video right now and just go into the place of communion, don't um, silence or step away from the presence of the Holy Spirit when he is wooing you. Thank you, Lord, for wooing us into your presence have your way, God. Have your way, God. Have your way. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you for the privilege, God. In Jesus' name we to jump straight in again we're going to focus on luke chapter 12 um just let's just do this thing together. So if you'll grab your study tools, everything you need um, to just jump straight in. Again, I'm using the Holman Christian Standard Bible. You can find that version, I believe on Bible, on all of them, except for blueletterbible.org. So that's biblehub.com and then biblegateway.com or another app that you might use. So we're going to do what we talked about in another previous video and it's called SQ3R. That's survey question, read, recite, review. So what do I mean by that? Before you start reading, what I normally do is actually just read through the chapter first, you know, without trying to take notes or anything like that. And actually it depends on the day. Sometimes I'll just jump straight in, but usually i found for me, it's better when I just read it you know, in a simple translation, um, something that so I can just get the gist of what's going on. And then I'll go back and add notes, you know, and do whatever. And it might be a total different day that I do that. You can also listen to it like an audio. Um, if you have audible or if you have the U version app, a lot of the translations have where you can listen to it. So what do I mean by survey? Survey is when you just take a look at the chapter and you scan it to see, look at all the subtitles, to see, okay, what is this chapter actually about? So for Luke chapter 12, we have the parable of the rich fool, not peace but division. Beware of religious hypocrisy, fear God, the cure for anxiety, ready for the master's return, settling accounts, acknowledging Christ, rewards of punishment, and interpreting the time. And so that's what this chapter is about. That's what you do when you survey. Now, when you question, all you do is turn those into questions um, in your journal. So you can say, well, what is uh, Christ trying to teach us in his word about the parable of, of the rich fool. What's wrong with being rich? Um, what is, why would Christ want peace, not want peace? That doesn't seem right. You know, why would he not want peace, but he wants division and then beware of religious hypocrisy. How do I avoid being a religious hypocrite? What does it mean to fear God? How do I, if I'm experiencing anxiety, what do I do? It says the cure for anxiety. Um, How do I get ready for the master's return? What does he mean by settling accounts? Um, How do I acknowledge Christ? What are the rewards and punishments? Okay, and so if you look at that, that's what you're doing, you're sparking it off, you're perking up your own interest before you actually read. And you'll notice at the end when you review, you should be able to answer all those questions and that's a good marker to be able to tell you whether or not what you've learned. You know, you'll feel accomplished when you go through. All right, so let's just jump straight in. You'll see little squiggly lines and colors and all of that. That's where I'm encouraging you to highlight again you can highlight what you want to highlight highlight along with me write your own notes i encourage you to pause the video if the holy spirit is speaking to you go ahead and journal that drop that note uh, in your bible whatever works for you so let's jump in with chapter 12 verse 1 beware of religious hypocrisy we're looking at that first um subtitle that we actually survey in these circumstances a crowd of many thousands came together so that they were trampling on one another. So we get the scene. So it was really crowded. He began to say to his disciples first, be on guard, on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing covered that won't be uncovered, nothing hidden that won't be made known. So go ahead and highlight that. You know, that's for us today. So Jesus said, be on guard, be on guard against what? Yeast. Well, yeast, how does that help us? Well, he defines it. It's hypocrisy. Okay. And then he goes on to explain. There's nothing covered that won't be uncovered. In other words, if if we are hypocrites, those things will come to light. Okay. So let's just look at this note. This is from the Martin English version translation called the fire bible that's one of the translations that that um um bible uses not one of but the translation It's called the fire bible and it's the modern english version it is the same as uh not the same exact but it's based on the king james version of the bible and um but it's just you know updated a little bit more but remember i'm using the holman christian standard bible so let's take a look at hypocrisy Jesus condemns the hypocrisy. What does he mean? False heartedness, pretense, double standards of the Pharisees warning his disciples to be careful that this sinful trait does not enter their own lives and ministry. Right there, that's for us. Hypocrisy means acting as if you are what you are not. For example, it could involve acting outwardly as a godly and faithful Christian when in reality in your private life, Or with a different crowd, you are hiding sin, immorality, greed, lust, or other ungodly attitudes and behaviors. A hypocrite is a deceiver when it comes to appearing right. Since hypocrisy involves living a lie, it makes a person a partner, this is a strong statement y'all, or co-worker with Satan, the father of lies. Jesus warns his disciples that all hypocrisy and hidden sin will be exposed if not in this life then certainly on the day of judgment and you can jot down these you can pause the video if you want to write those down and look those up what is done secretly behind closed doors will be at some point openly revealed this does not mean that confessed and forgiven sin will be brought against us so check that out it's not that we you know we we sometimes fall short of the glory of God we sin so it's not that you are once you sin okay all of a sudden you're a hypocrite it's when you're living that lifestyle when you know that there's no repentance when sometimes you know if we find ourselves hard hearted hearted and we don't want to turn from um, warnings when God's warning us against something when we're willful you know obstinate stubborn you know it says rebellion is as witchcraft in the old testament all right let's continue rather it means that what is hidden through hypocrisy will certainly be revealed a lifestyle there's the key word okay you're not we're not hypocrites because we fall short one day it's when our lifestyle So a lifestyle of hypocrisy is a sign that a person does not fear God with a holy reverence and respect for his character, power, and judgment. It also means that a person is resisting or does not have God's Holy Spirit within them, transforming their lives to be like Christ. You know, John the Baptist, he would say to the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, who warned you to to flee from the coming wrath? because he knew that their lifestyles did not reflect that which they gave themselves over to study. Okay, again, lifestyles. So let's continue. While remaining in this condition, keyword, remaining, in this condition, a person cannot escape being condemned to hell. That's a strong statement. But Matthew 23:33 tells us, You serpents, you brood of vipers, how shall you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous bloodshed on earth from the blood of righteous. Disabled to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barachiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation, ours too, if we do not um, flee or have a heart to actually repent. True repentance should show some spiritual transforming. Okay. notice I didn't say transformation because we're never going to be perfect, but there's a transformation, an initial transformation that takes place. Thank you, Holy Spirit, when we're first saved. Right. But then once we're saved, we are constantly transforming. Into the image and likeness of Christ. Yes, we were made in His image and likeness. Our spirit is per, is is done. It's it's been born into by it's been born new birth through Christ Jesus. But our mind, will, emotions, and flesh gotta catch up. Okay, so moving on that's the key word is being a, being aware of religious hypocrisy so i hope you got all that let's keep it moving verse 3 therefore whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light and what you've whispered in an ear in private rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops and here's our next section look at that already we're through one fear god and I say to you, my friends, don't fear those who kill the body. Go ahead and highlight that. And after that can do nothing more. But I will show you the one who to fear. Fear him who has the authority to throw people into hell after death. I'm reminded of, you know, it was a, such a tragedy in Columbine. And I, I apologize because I don't remember her name. And I saw the movie about it. But I just, you know, the fact that she was a young girl and the stories and excuse me if I get it messed up, but I was um, remember reading that she, you know, the the guy who did all the shooting or whatever asked her basically to denounce Christ and she didn't, and then right after that, that's when he pulled the trigger. You know, that's someone to me who's saying I don't fear. Who can kill me? I fear the one who has authority to throw people into hell after death. That is such courage. That is such courage. There are just no words that um, she was just able to do that. So let's go on, I hope you highlighted that already in your Bible. All right, continuing on. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. So here we go, we're talking about Jesus. You know, a lot of times we just wanna picture all love and no justice. You know, we got to pay attention to all the verses in the 66 books that where he's giving us warnings. And let's continue. Here's where he shows his love. Check this out. Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm reminded of Hagar where he says, I'm, where she said, the God who sees me, you know, almost 8 billion people on this earth as of today, almost 8 billion last time I checked, and God still sees us individually, and then verse 7, Jesus is reminding, he says, indeed, the hairs of your head are all counted, don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows, and I say to you, anyone now here's the warning see how the tones change it's so loving and then he gives the warning anyone who acknowledges me before men the son of man will also acknowledge him before the angels all that is groovy okay now let me pause go ahead and highlight don't be afraid you're worth more than many sparrows and look at this acknowledge acknowledge And let's just see how that plays out. But I want you to remember one thing. This is worth remembering. You are worth more than you realize to God. You really are. We need to hear that more and more, you know, and it's not based on what you do. It's not based on your accomplishments. You are just more, you're worth more than you realize just because you're creating his image and likeness. So don't ever forget that. Okay, so here's the but, last comma, verse had a comma, here's the but. But, whoever denies me before men will be denied. Thank you, Holy Spirit. See on the other screen, we saw whoever, let me go back so you can see that, whoever acknowledges, whoever acknowledged him. Then here, he changes it, gives us the opposite. But whoever denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Okay, so that's just straight. He's not playing around there. That's truth. And that's not going to change. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven. So that's powerful. He's saying, you know, there's forgiveness if you talk about me. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, go ahead and highlight that, will not be forgiven forgiven so before we go on we need to know well what actually is what does it mean to blaspheme so remember the new testament's written in greek and so we have to look that word up in greek so it says to vilify especially to speak impiously to blaspheme to defame to rail to revile to speak evil you know a lot of times In the scriptures, Jesus, we're looking at events where the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're saying, hey, what power do you do this by? And hey, don't heal on the Sabbath. And hey, you were casting out demons by the chief of demons himself, Beelzebub, right? And so Jesus is saying, hey, you can get away with all that. Go ahead and talk about me all you want to. But when it comes to who? The Holy Spirit, that won't be forgiven. So in the sense of speaking evil of God, this word is found, you can pause and go ahead and write those references down. It denotes also any kind of calumny, okay, calumny, one of those two, please forgive me, or evil speaking or abuse. Our Lord was accused of blasphemy when he claimed to be the son of God. So we already know that. They who deny his messiahship, they blaspheme Jesus. So, you know, Jesus saying, hey, that can be forgiven. But he's saying, but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Let's look at those scriptures. You can pause if you want to. Is regarded by some as a continued and obstinate rejection of the gospel. And hence is an unpardonable sin, simply because as long as the sinner remains in unbelief. So we're talking about the people who don't believe God. So when you don't believe God, you are, in a sense, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. You're calling him a liar, right? So it says if they remain in unbelief. He voluntarily excludes himself from pardon. That's the person who, des- who determines not to believe. Others regard the expression as designating the sin of attributing to the power of Satan whose miracles which Christ performed or generally those works which are the result of the spirit's agency. What do we mean by that times when willfully now, you you know, most people If they're not aware of it, sometimes you might not even know that you're right up on the edge of it. But that's why we're learning so we can make sure. It's kind of like what my mother would teach us. Honey, if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. You know, we tend to go in and maybe go into church and the spirit is moving. And, you know, that person might say, oh, they pushed him down. Or did you see what they did? You know, or that was fake. Right? That we just need to be quiet. Because if you really don't know, we are um, uh, uh, earthly beings. We're tripartite living in um, an earthly realm. So there's things in the spiritual realm that we don't or aren't always aware of and seeing. So rather than scoot up to the possibility of speaking incorrectly, it's just best we just hush. That's for me too. Okay. All right, moving on verse 12 for the holy spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said so right here this does not mean again like he's teaching jesus is saying back then right he's talking to the apostles because he knows all the things they're going to go through and he's saying hey don't worry about what you're going to say the holy spirit will give you what you need to say this does not mean there are people who have said okay do i have a clarity to say this right Jesus okay so without insulting Here's what we want to do. We don't want to use this to say that, okay, well, for instance, if we're ministers, well, I don't have to study because the Holy Spirit's going to give me what to say in that hour. And that's not saying he won't give you what to say. That's not saying that you could probably sit down and study and go up there and preach and he change everything. So there's nothing wrong with that. But what we can't do is use that as an excuse to not study to show ourselves approved. A workman that need not be ashamed, right? And so, yes, he will teach us. That does not mean that a person who sits down and studies and gives themselves over and invites the Holy Spirit to help and teach and guide them while they're studying before a sermon or just for their own personal Bible study, that person is still able, they're they're not cheating in a in a sense. You know, I've heard some who believe, well, you know, hey, you're doing it and you're just supposed to rely. No, that doesn't. God is not the type of God that is, he's against preparation, especially when it comes to his word. Okay. So verse 13, now we're already done with that. So we're already at the uh, next section. So highlight the Holy Spirit will teach you again. That's a life principle that we can use, you know, that he will teach us just like he's teaching us right now, teaching us when we're studying the word, you know, teaching us when he uses another person to speak to us in our lives. Okay. Verse 13. Now we're in the other section that we surveyed the parable of the rich fool. So verse 13, someone from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Y'all check that out. That is just hilarious to me. I always visualize, you know, Jesus, he's going around. Well, not always, but he's in this crowd and you know, he's busy. He's healing and somebody just roll up on him. Hey, yo, Jesus, my brother owed me money. Right but you know, it's kind of funny. So here Jesus replies to him and he says, friend, he said to him, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? He then told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Go ahead and highlight that. Now note what it doesn't say. There's no one here that says that you can't have possessions. It's when the possessions possess us, right? Um, he, he's saying your life is not in it. That's not saying that we we should we can't have possessions. Um, you know, I know many come against the prosperity gospel. I'm not going to get all in that. We just read our word and locate um, where we stand on that and our belief system regarding that. Um, But when I look at this, I see that Jesus is not preaching against possessions. He's preaching it when we base our lives on the accumulation of possessions. Okay, so let's continue on. Verse 16. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. So here we go. We're going to get the lesson. He made the statement. Don't let your life consist of an abundance of things. And then he says, a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this. He said, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. (laughs) All right. So again, don't look at the fact that he had possessions or that he was rich. Just look at his attitude behind all of that. All right. Look at verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, right? So his attitude is what makes him a fool is not his possessions because you can be poor and be a fool. You can be rich and be a fool. You can be middle class and be a fool possessions don't make you foolish it's what's in our heart it's our mindset it's our mind will and emotions it's our flesh so it says this very night your life is demanded of you and the things you are prepared whose will they be that's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself here's the conjunction go ahead and highlight it not saying you can't have possessions he's saying but you're not rich toward god come on Not rich toward God. And so all we have to do is think about, well, how am I rich toward God? Not rich just in um, monetary things. We tend to forget there's no ATM in heaven. There is no cash in heaven. There is no dollar bills and all of that. I don't think, hopefully. Please forgive me, Jesus, if I'm wrong. But I'm assuming none of that is needed. We don't need currency in heaven. But to be rich towards God, it's not just, oh, I only give. I give a lot of money. I give a lot of mine. But do we give our time? That's being rich towards God. Do we serve? That's being rich towards God. Do we use our gifts to build up the kingdom? That's being rich towards God. Okay? So we're looking at the parable of the rich fool. Not just because he was rich, but because he just was a fool. So here we go. Read that portion again and notice the word and. That's what we just talked about. You can just go ahead and even take a pen or pencil. I'll do that with you. And just circle right here. And, uh, and that's the key right there. And is not rich toward God. All right, next section. We're off. The cure for anxiety. Then he said, now this is deep right here, y'all. Okay, but wait wait a minute before I go on. Let me see. Oh, okay. Let's look at this. The problem with the man is that he treasured everything in in this life versus the treasures he could have stored up in heaven. Do be rich. So being rich towards God is to value what he values. Okay, excuse that error. To be rich towards God is to value what he values that's the easiest way to remember it. All right, so here we go. The cure for anxiety, we all need that. That's one of the biggest things that there are issues here in America. I don't know about the other countries, but a lot of people are suffering from that, suffering from um, mental illness, okay? And not to say that this you know one little scripture, um, I don't wanna water that down. There are many things that we have to do, but let's just look at what Jesus is saying. Um, what he's telling us not to have anxiety for. So he says, Mm -hmm. then he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, don't worry. Go ahead and box that in because I can tell you, I just speak from your, my own life. When, when I worry that leads to the anxiety, you know, the worrying actually triggers it. So it says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body what you will wear for life, that's the key right there. He's not saying you don't need food. He's not saying we don't need clothes. He's saying when we have an attitude of worry, when we're suffering for exi- through, from anxiety from these things, and he's saying for life is more than food in the body, more than clothing. Not saying we don't need it. Just saying, hey, it can't. all of our life is not about, doesn't consist of these things. All right. Verse 24. Then he says, he's continuing with his lesson. You know, it remembers the cure for anxiety. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Oh my gosh. I almost wanted to cry just reading that. You know, that just hit me. In verse 25, can any of you add a cubit to his height by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread yet. I tell you, not even Solomon. And all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And there's just a good photo of, of, of wildflowers. You know, I also thought about Maverick City music. One of the most popular songs out now is Jaira. You know, I, I will be content in every circumstance. You are Jaira. And then he's saying, and you know, Naomi Rain, she breaks it out for us. And she goes into that little vamp. How much more? How much more? And Jesus is saying, you know, that's little faith. That's little faith when we're anxious. Now, again, we're, we are we're a living soul. We um, live in a body and we have a new regenerated spirit. And so we do have to still deal with the mind, will, and emotions because we're progressively learning how to walk this walk. We don't just fall out of bed after being saved and all of a sudden everything goes away. We have to learn these things. That's why we're reading the word, getting counsel, from the voice of God. And so if you are being anxious, I'll share a scripture out there that, you know, helps a lot for me even. Philippians, I believe, four, six, and seven. Be anxious for nothing but by prayer. You don't even have to go any any further because just manage the first step. Whenever you feel yourself becoming anxious and anxiety creeping in, and then sometimes you can be so anxious that you can't get around to praying, then you need to have that support group you can text and say, hey, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I need you to just lift up a prayer for me. Now, I got a few of my girlfriends that I say, look, yo, if I just say 911, you know what to do, right? And you could even do a code. You could say, hey, when I put uh, my birthday in, that means I don't want to go in no long drawn explanation. I just need you to pray and I'm feeling anxiety.'" OK, so that's how we help and support one another. So let's continue with verse 30 for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things. And your father knows you need them. So he's saying, hey, we, we need them, but we don't seek them. And then I love that. He's saying that's the Gentile world. You're in a, you're a new believer." We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You know, I was thinking about this more and I said, you know what, God, I had, to realize, I had to remind myself when you royalty, you inherit things. When you royalty, you don't, you know, the queen, she's not laboring. I'm not saying that we shouldn't work. So let's not get that out of balance. But, you know, you know, part of the curse was the fact that we had to labor for our provision. You know, not saying we don't have to work because remember, Adam was working before the curse, but the curse was the fact that you had that he had to labor to eat. So Jesus is saying, if you have a lot of you just need to know have faith I will feed you. I will feed you. That's when, you know, for instance, when you go to your mailbox and there's something like HelloFresh and it says, hey, 10 meals free. All you got to do is put this code in on the computer and you will have 10 meals free. So a lot of times we don't want to recognize, um, you know, his miracle hand cause we see it and then we sometimes take it for granted and don't realize, Oh my Lord, that was Jesus right there. That was Jesus. So, okay, move it on. So verse 30. So if you haven't highlighted, go ahead and highlight how much more Hit you some Maverick City. Listen to Naomi rain. Uh, when she pulls that in for us. Um, and little faith. We just pray against our faith being um, attacked by the enemy. All right, let's go ahead. 31. So let's go ahead and highlight, seek, highlight, don't be afraid, and then we'll be ready. You can do your little highlights with these squigglies or find any others that stand out to you. 31, but seek his kingdom right here. So he told us, stop worrying. I know you need, need this stuff, but seek your kingdom. Seek, seek my kingdom cross-reference Matthew 6 okay seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you so here it is and these things will be provided for you don't be afraid little flock there's that loving that loving voice because your father delights to give you the kingdom man that's awesome you know, and there's a scripture saying the kingdom of God and righteous, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Everything that's opposite from being anxious, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old and an treasure in heaven where there's no, where no feet comes near and no moth destroy destroys for where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also come on. I love this inexhaustible treasure in heaven. Now, again, we see things and then we go, oh, you know, that means God wants us to get sell all of our stuff tomorrow. We have to look at the heart of it. You know, now if he tells us, you know, there've been times in a lot of believers lives where the Lord has said, okay, give this, or you have to sell this or bless somebody with that, you know, all of that. But again, he's saying, store up, be rich towards God, have treasures where no thief comes near. I, one of the biggest um, temptations that we all face is because we're natural beings, we're supernatural, our spirit our spirit man is born again through the blood of Jesus Christ, but we live on this earth. And so it's so hard sometimes to um, have, be heavenly minded. You know what I mean? You have to be intentional about being heavenly minded. Because if you're not, then it's easy to get caught up of, on only what you see. Thank you, Holy Spirit, cuz he says that the things are that were that are that are seen are made from the things that are unseen. And so sometimes it's so easy to get caught up, you know, and you know, whatever your thing is, clothes, food, houses, cars, whatever it is. Okay, he's just saying, let's just, we can't get caught up in that kind of stuff. And then he goes on to say, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So it's not saying it's wrong to have a car, but when it's over the top, you know, you got 20 cars sitting in in your lot and you're trying to figure out how to get the next one. And, you know, you're not helping anybody with the ones you do have. So that's what he's 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 discussing here. Not that you we're all supposed to just give up all of our possessions, okay? But we are supposed to give to the poor, you know, through your local church, um charities, um through your tithe and your offering. So let's just keep going. Seeking the kingdom of God above all else means making Jesus the Lord and King of your life he must control every area your work your play your plans your relationship is the kingdom only one of your many concerns or is it central into all you do i love this phrase that you know um we've been hearing in our my family is god-centeredness just god-centeredness that everything is an outflow from being centered in god come on And then let's continue. Are you holding back any areas of your life from God's control as Lord and creator? He wants to help provide what you need as well as guide you how you use what he provides. Now, let me, let me go back there. Here it is, this question. Just think about it. And we all probably have these areas. Are you holding back any areas? There could be things like, for instance, you know, people, you know, any of us, when you fluctuate in weight or you're struggling with weight because you're holding back the area of, um, not yielding, you know, God, this is how much I need to eat today. No more, no less. Or there's this relationship that God has said, Hey, I don't want you to deal with that friend. I don't want you to deal with that boyfriend or girlfriend, but yet we hold it back. So that's God centeredness is when we yield control to him. That again, example, he, he may want some of us, not all of us, he may want some of us to have um, to be married. And if so, then yield it. Let him help guide you and lead you along the way. And like I say in my family, don't invite a beating. You know, where you, you like this dude so much. And because on the outside, but God knows better that he's not saved or whatever. And then you get in a relationship and now you got two kids, four kids. It's a mess. Okay, so we just continue to try to remain God centered. Let me keep going. So inexhaustible treasure. This expression by Jesus just reminds us that we will carry out decisions and plans in our lives based on what we value. So in other words, if you value the kingdom, you will make decisions. You will yield things to God. You will go to God. So if we value his kingdom, we can store up treasures in heaven through the sacrifices we make and how we use our lives to further his kingdom agenda. Do we value what he values? Are we God-centered? Keep going. Verse 35, be ready for service and have your lamps lit so go ahead on this go ahead and um, highlight ready for service lamps lit like people waiting for their master to return alert be blessed and then come and serve them so here we go be ready for service and have your lamps lit you must be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that When he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. Those slaves, the master will find alert when he comes, will be blessed. I assure you, colon, pause. He will get ready. Have them recline at the table, then come serve them. Man, that's something else right there. That's something else right there. And remember, that's all under the cure for anxiety. All of that is under the cure for anxiety. And so it says, what's the main thing here? It says, for even the son of man, check that out, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's in Mark 10, 45, because you see down here. It says, I assure you, I assure you, the master will then come serve them. Remember when Jesus Christ, thank you, Holy Spirit, he, he, um, right before he had that last supper, it says that he disrobed and he washed the disciples' feet. You know, that's, what Jesus, that's how much God loves us. But he loves us enough to, to give us a warning. He's saying, be ready for service. Have your lamps lit. You know, be like people waiting for the master to return. And so he gives that analogy there. So question, when you hear the phrase, have your lamps lit, what do you think Jesus is trying to teach us? So I'll let you go ahead and answer that in your journal if you want to pause the video. Let's take a look at the fire Bible notes, okay? Dressed and ready for service. Concerning the Lord's return for his people, the New Testament church believed it was near And could happen at any time. I was told yesterday in my family that um, supposedly, I guess, Christians now, their level of anxiety, man, this is right on time, is going up because they have something called rapture anxiety. So in other words, you know, they think the world's coming to an end soon. And so they're suffering from anxiety. And so I was thinking, you know, when my family member mentioned that, I was like, well, that's an oxymoron. If we're Christians... That's the one thing we shouldn't have anxiety over because we know where we're going. So I can understand it if unbelievers have anxiety, but why why Chrissy Christian having anxiety? I'm not, you know, saying any specific person, but no, that's where we rejoice. So, you know, I think the anxiety can come from, like, you know, um, towards in the Bible where he talks about whoa, whoa, and having to live and see some of the things that we see, some of the evil you know, that's the stuff that stirs it up. Um, but, but when he comes back for the rapture, no, that's where we rejoice. Okay. So this was the attitude Jesus desired because it kept his people prepared and living right. There it is. If we are prepared and living right, we don't have to worry about being anxious about the rapture. Now there may be some other things, but not that. From the time Jesus left the earth to the present, he calls all of his followers to be spiritually ready at all times as they wait for his return. Number one, Jesus's followers must be so attached to him as their greatest love and treasure that their deepest hope and longing is for his return. See, that's the opposite. We're longing for his return, not being anxious about it. They must be spiritually dressed, for example, living with his character traits and serving his purposes and ready as they wait for the uncertain time of Christ's coming. Christ could come at any time. So we must be waiting and looking for Christ himself, not for a series of signs or end time events that might begin at any time. Okay? verse, And this is a note on verse 38. It will be good for those servants. So you see that, you're going to see that on the next screen. A special blessing is in store for those who are completely faithful to wait and watch for their Lord's return during the time between his ascension, when he left the earth, to return to heaven and his second coming. So I was thinking of the Holy spirit remind me of when he would, he told, uh, the disciples, his inner circle, he said, stay here, watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? So it's the same thing. Kind of like us, you know, we watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's sometimes where our flesh may want to act up and cause us to be anxious because of things, but the spirit is willing Willing to be reunited with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in the heavenly realm. We already reunited reunited with him here on earth, but it's going to be something else when we get up there. So keep going. At this time, that special blessing includes God's presence right there. This time, we still have his presence and we have the care Through his Holy Spirit. It's just going to be a little different, but we still have him here. We still have a promise here. Golly, we still have the promise of the Father here. We still have the promise of the Son sitting on the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, ever looking to make intercession for the saints. Come on, come on, come on. I mean again i could just shout over that so verse 38 that's that blessing that they're talking about so let's continue go ahead and highlight that you do not expect if he comes in the middle of the night so again it's who it's that master that jesus was talking about if he comes now here's the warning in the middle of the night or even near dawn and finds them alert those slaves are blessed come on that's why we, as the again, the rapture, those slaves, us, Christians, followers, we're blessed. But know this pause. If the homeowner had known, talking about folks, had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. So, in other words, if folks knew when he was coming back, they do all kinds of things to get themselves together. Again, the Holy spirit. Thank you. Reminding me of the rich man and Lazarus. And he says, look, go ahead and reach back and tell somebody, send somebody to my family and let them know this is a mess. I, you don't want to come to be in hell, help them get ready. And you can look that up. Google it. The rich man and Lazarus verse 40. And then here's the lesson. You are, Also, us, be ready because the son of man is coming at an hour right here that you do not expect. Okay, so this is a warning to all of us, but the warning is different. For unbelievers, it's to get ready and choose Christ. For believers, it's to continue to live ready. And then another thing, once you are a believer, don't let all this stuff mess you up. You know, people start talking about there is no God. And then all of a sudden that person is now walking away from the faith. Oh, no. As believers, we continue to live ready. You know, once we hold on to the faith, accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we continue to live ready. So in verse 30, uh, the Holy Spirit reminded me of Matthew 24, 36 through 34. No one knows. About that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. Jesus saying, I don't even know. But only the Father, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now remember, what does he mean by that? The earth is not going to be destroyed by water. That's why we have the rainbow today, because he made a promise. He said, I put a bow in the sky to remind you, I won't destroy the earth anymore. By water but that didn't include all the other things that he would use (laughs) says for in the days before the flood people were eating and drinking marrying you know they're going to applebee's giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark and they were oblivious until the flood came and swept them all away so so will it be at the coming of the son of man so what does he mean will it be it means people are going to be shopping going to H-E-B, Kroger's, oh let me go to Amazon, let me do this. It's going to be swift. And Jesus is saying, I don't even know the hour. The angels don't even know the hour. Only the Father knows. And he says, he gives us the description. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. If you ever saw that movie left behind two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken the other left. Therefore, come on, keep watch because you do not know the day on which your Lord will come, but understand this pause. If the homeowner had known in which watch of the night the thief was coming he would have kept watch and would not have left his house be broken into for this reason you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour you do not expect cross reference right there right there cross reference okay two two witnesses right there you know we have a cross reference reference and we're also in luke 12 right now All right, verse 41, next section, rewards and punishment. That's one of the ones we surveyed. So go ahead and highlight that slave whose master finds him working when he comes will be rewarded. He's talking about anxiety still, about us not being anxious of what's coming up. All right, so here he's going to talk about rewards and punishment. We're talking about the God who's love, but he's justice as well. All right, 41, Lord, Peter asked, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord said, it seems like to me, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. It just seemed like Jesus just ignored Peter. <laughs> I don't know, but it doesn't seem like he answered him. It says, who then, he goes on, maybe Peter interrupted him, y'all, I don't know. It says, who then is the faithful and sensible manager and his, and his master will put in charge of his household servants to give them their allotted food at the proper time? And he's saying, which, which, one, which manager? And then he defines it. He says, that slave whose master finds him working when he comes will be rewarded. Come on. And so what are you talking about? He's not talking about, you know, those of us at times of our lives. Yes, me, my hand was raised. You know, there are times in your lives where you're saved and you're learning. And so all you're doing is just, you know, fr- fr- going, just basking in your salvation, but you're not really putting your hand to the plow. So he's saying, you know, there's some rewards for those people who are working, you know, your pastor and your teachers and your the evangelist and those who are doing things to um, be rich towards God. He's saying there, there's going to be a reward, a reward, you know, a lot, not everything in life is whether it's just heaven or hell. Some things are just OK. I want to be rewarded also once I get to heaven. I want the reward. So verse 44, I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions, but there's that but again. If that slave says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. Now he sounds like the rich young fool and starts to beat the male and female slaves and eat and drink and get drunk. That slave's master will come on a day he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers, with the unbelievers. Check that out. You know, he's saying the one who who's just negligent, just negligent, not just negligent. You know, if you're, if you've cr- confessed Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're going to go, go to heaven. Now, the question is, what type of reward do we want? Okay. What kind of reward do we want? But the person who's just negligent, they don't want Christ, they blaspheme the Holy Spirit, they believe all Christians are wackos, you know, they have just no interest of learning anything about God. They are content with being unbelievers. It says he will cut him to pieces and assign him to a place with unbelievers. So let me correct that. I need to do some further research there because it doesn't say Unbelievers, he's saying with the unbelievers. So he, let's go back up here. He's saying just basically just that person who's just negligent, just negligent in all things God. And so I don't want to continue on because I've just shown myself something and saying, okay, let me look into that further because it didn't say just the unbelievers. He's saying that person will be with the unbelievers. So the question is, What type of person is that? We need to go back again and really dive into deep to see, okay, is this, could this be, well, no, I won't say that. So let me just hush because I don't want to put, um, lead anybody astray. Okay. So we'll just pause on that one. I'll probably have to look that one up. You look it up on your own, try to research, have somebody come alongside you and, and help us all to understand that, uh, In a clear get clarification on that, because that word with it could also mean that this particular translation might be, you know, throwing something off a a force a little bit. I'm not sure. All right, moving on. Verse 18. And that slave who knew his master's will, come on, there it is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just got ahead of myself. He's saying the one who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it. Come on. He just answered it. will be severely beaten. So that's the punishment. Doesn't mean that you're not going going in because you have a lot of people. Look, thank you, Holy Spirit. Remember the thief on the cross? He didn't do anything. I mean, he, he was a thief up until the last minute. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Now, what reward he got, I doubt he got a high reward because he spent most, I mean, that wouldn't even be fair. Why would a person like the thief on the cross have the same reward? I'm not talking about going into heaven because he's in heaven with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them, but it just kind of seems like to me that Abraham would have a better reward than the thief on the cross, okay? Just saying. All right, verse 48, but the one who did not know and did things deserving of blows will be beaten lightly. Now check that out. He's not saying that person won't be beaten. They just will be beaten lightly. And it says, he gives a statement. Much will be required of everyone who's been given much, and even more will be expected of the one who has been entrusted with more. So in other words, much given, much required. You know, Christ is basically saying that, not basically, he's saying there, that for people who don't know no better, Right. But, but there's a different kind of judgment that he looks at, not judgment. I don't want to use that word. He he will evaluate our lives based on, I believe, how much truth we were given. You know, you were given all this truth. We hadn't done nothing with it, not living it out, all of that. But he's just saying the person, I can't hold a person accountable who didn't even know versus the person who did know. You know, it's kind of like if you have two kids and one of them that's 15 and you tell them, um, don't uh put your hand in that socket or whatever, versus someone who's two, the one who's two, they don't know no better, but the one who's 15 does. So the one who's 15 might have a harsher punishment than the one who's two years old. Okay, so we just want to go through and just really look at the heart of what Jesus is saying. And we don't even have to get real technical about it. Basically, he's saying that whatever I've given you much, the things that I've given you, use them. Do it in this lifetime. Don't cast my will aside. Don't cast my kingdom aside. Do all that I have commanded you to do while on this side of glory, and you, you will be rewarded for it. You will be rewarded for it. All right, so we're in our next section. So that was all about anxiety. Now we're going to look at not peace, but division. So this is one of those things that when I first read it like years ago, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I don't understand this. But you know, now I do. And hopefully this will help you as well. Verse 49, go ahead and highlight, bring fire on the earth, highlight a baptism to be baptized with, highlight division. And so remember in our survey question, read, recite, review, one question is, well, why would Jesus not want peace? You know, when especially we see in the Bible, peace, I leave with you, my peace, I give unto you, not as the world giveth. give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then we get here and it says not peace, but division. So again, the Holy Spirit illuminating our mind, the Holy Spirit teaching us, we can see what it is that he meant. I came to bring fire on the earth. Mm. Come on. And how, look at this, what he says, how I wish it were already set ablaze, but I have a baptism to be baptized with and how it consumes me until it is finished. So, let me keep reading first. Do you think that I came here to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two, two against three. So what do we, what do we mean here? You know, he, he, what does he mean? What does his word say? First of all, when we see fire in the scriptures, that can indicate a lot of different things. So we got to see it in this context. When we look at this, it's he's saying judgment, some fire right? And then he goes on to say being baptized would be the baptism to be baptized with. So here again, words have a different range of meanings. When we see baptism here, we can't be thinking, oh, he's talking about water. <laughs> he's not talking about that. So we'll see in a minute exactly what he's talking about. But he's saying it's consuming me until it's finished. So in another words, this is not just water baptism. We'll see in a minute what that actually means. And then division, why would he want division? You know, why would he want division? Well, the division comes because when we step out and we say we were believers, sometimes that can cause strife within a family because you have one person, they knew, they knew you as pookie around the block, you know, and knew all the stuff that you did. And then that person comes to Christ and so now, hey, I'm your best friend, but I don't understand you, Pookie. We used to hang out, we used to go to the club. Why aren't you hanging out with me? How come you're not doing so? There's that division. And so Christ is saying, I came for that division. Now the other division I don't sign off for, but that that division I came for. Yes. I died that the whole world, but because I'm I'm omniscient, I already know the whole world's not going to choose me. And so they're not, since they're not, there is going to be division in families. Okay. And so a lot of times when we're trying to figure out, well, what's the problem? Why am I having so much struggle in the family? Why, you know, when I go to the family reunion, I always feel ostracized. That is nothing you did. Is nothing you did. Christ is saying your belief will divide you from others. Who you serve will divide you from others. And, and we can't get away from it. You know, the hope is that um, Pookie's best friend, Pookie, can minister to her, his or her best friend. And then they will no longer be divided because Pookie will win their best friend to the kingdom of God. So that's how we erase the division. By preaching the gospel. Again, let me correct myself. Not all division will be erased. There are some that will reject Christ. And so we're just here to do the best that we can do um, for that not to happen. You know, all of us to do the best that we can do. That's why he said go out preach the gospel, preach the good news. All right, let me, before I go on, let's take a look at Thayer's Greek lexicon. And this is Strong's entry number 907, the the Greek number 907. Again, you can find that on Bible Gateway, Bible Hub, blueletterbible.org. And so it's baptizo, and that means to dip or sink. And then here's the transliteration into English, B-A-P-T-I-Z-O. There's the phonetic spelling. And then the definition, to dip or to sink. So here we go. So this is when we have to, you know, try to use because words have a range of meanings. Does that mean he's being dipped, but dipped in what? It's not in water, right? So this is not the usage where it says it's a ceremonial dipping. Like what we did. Here's the definition of another usage for the same word. To be overwhelmed with calamities of those who must bear them. Perfect. Jesus is saying, I'm overwhelmed. It's consuming. It consumes him because yes, he's going to finish his assignment. But remember in the garden, he said that he, that he was sweating like drops of blood that he asked, he was negotiating with God saying, Hey, take this cup from me. I'm overwhelmed. Then he says, but nevertheless, not my will but thine will be done. So that's what he means when he's saying, I'm going to be baptized, this baptism. Some people refer to it as a baptism of suffering, okay? So that's what he means. So that's how when we go through the word, you know you can, it could be confusing because sometimes some translators will use one word, another trans Bible will use another word. and so that's when we kind of dig a little deeper, do a word study to see exactly what that means. All right, hopefully that's clear. I hope, I wish I could see your thumbs up, but I can't. I'll just believe by faith your understanding. So verse 51, do you think that I gave came here? Okay, we read all that. So again, it's nothing against you if, you know, things are going a little haywire. That's just what um, happens when we come to Christ. And so he gives us more details. He says they will be divided, father against son. In other words, there's going to be some that don't believe, son against father. There's going to be fathers who believes and the son doesn't mother against daughter daughter against mother mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her against mother-in-law that's why when I read this like years ago I was thinking well I don't know I I don't even know if I read it before I was saved but you know like do I want to be in a family of God that you know is going to put people against each other that's what happens if we're we're not reading it right you know, to be divided doesn't mean that he's saying he wants mothers and daughters to be at odd, odds with each other. It's just merely saying that, um, you know, because of your belief, because of your belief is going to bring some tension in the relationship. All right. So here we go. Have come to bring Fire or division. The concept of fire is applied in different ways throughout God's word. In this case, it is associated with judgment and division. God's fire will usually serve one of two primary purposes in people's lives, depending upon how they respond to him. For those who accept his word and follow him, his fire will purify and refine them into what he wants them to be. You know, I'm thinking again, Maverick City, there's a song called Refiner. If you want to listen to that, some of the lyrics I agree with some of them, I don't know. I have to study them more, but it's still, you know, the concept of it is to be refined. Um, the fire of God being sanctified, being pruned, continuing, But for those who reject, there's always these buts, you know, he always gives a statement and then there's this but, but for those who reject and defy him, God's fire will consume and destroy. Come on. That's that balance again. The God of love, but the God of justice as well. Through the fire of God's judgment, each individual's life and work will be tested. This difference will be the source of much division among people in this life. And for those who reject God, it will be the basis of permanent separation from God in the life to come. Okay. You can see Matthew 10, 34 for a a further note on that or further revelation on that. Okay. So let's go on. Now we know what he means by division. Now I think we are at our last section that was a lot y'all okay 54 verses ain't no joke all right 50 no more than 54 it ends at 59 interpreting the time he also said to the crowds when you see a cloud rising in the west right away you say a storm is coming and so it does and when the south wind is blowing you say it's going to be a scorcher and it is We started with this word and now we're ending with this word. Hypocrites. (laughs) You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why don't you know how to interpret this time? You know, He's saying that to us. Again, we're not to know the day or the hour. The son of man doesn't even know. The angels don't even know. But we can interpret the times. We can interpret the fact that it's heating up. You know, I went to one museum one time and so, you know, I just accept what I see in the museums. I don't see no reason a lie. but they were actually showing this, um, some contraption that they had and they were showing how like the minutes that we experience now is not the same length of time as the minute years ago. So it's probably why we a lot of times say, oh my Lord, the day sure did go by. You know, and just the things that are heating up people, their attitudes, the things that are going wrong. It's like getting worse, closer in the more we see um, people who say that they're Christians just living this outright um, hypocritical life, having an outright hypocritical lifestyle. So we're to interpret those things. You know, to not try to figure out when that's going to happen, because that's useless. Nobody knows. But just be able to discern the times that we're living in. Okay, 57. Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the ruler, make an effort to settle with him on the way. Then he won't drag you before the judge. The judge hand you over to the bailiff and the bailiff throw you in a prison. I'm sitting here chuckling because I, for some reason, Judge Judy came up in my mind. What what's that guy's name? I forgot her bailiff. I forgot his name. But anyways, I tell you, you will never get out of here until you have paid the last cent. Yay. We just finished, guys. We just finished, okay? And so I know that was a lot, but because we broke it down little by little, chunks by chunks, we're not overwhelmed and it has more of a likelihood that it will stick. So we did SQ3. We surveyed, we questioned, we read, now to recite now that for the sake of time, you'll do that on your own. If you choose using your journal, just, you know, you could go back, open your Bible and say, Oh yeah, I know that. Oh, God got that. That's clear. Now. Um, I can write a summary or the Holy spirit. What are you saying to me about anxiety? you know do whatever you need to do during your study time so that's a way you know you don't they typically say you just restate what you've learned but you can restate it you can apply it you can you know use your journal you can write out a prayer whatever works for you Mm -hmm. and then survey question read recite review create a brief outline of the chapter you know, don't do it today. Maybe tomorrow before you read, if you go on to Luke chapter 13, well, let me just, you know, kind of write a brief outline of what happened in chapter 12. This, These are just ways to solidify and to reinforce the learning because, um... You know, just just as my history, my career, or whatever, even in outside of ministry, I've always been interested in how we learn, not just learning, but how we learn. And it, a lot of times, we're not always taught the best ways in school. You know, and it also depends on what school you went to, depends on what teacher you had, a lot of stuff. But a lot of times in by Bi- and when we when it comes to the Bible. We fail to apply those same techniques that we used in college to the Bible. You know, and then we wonder why we don't know anything. And I'm putting we up there because, you know, when it comes to other things, we have our sticky notes and we have this and that. We have outlines and we take quizzes. Da, 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 da. And then when we read the Bible, we read it through one time closing, going to the next chapter. Okay. So no, 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 no heat. There ain't no heat on anybody because I got me in there, right? So that's why we do these things. We do an SQ3R or we do, um, we listen, we do auditory listen, you know, maybe listen to the Bible first and then we read it and then we write. All of those things help to reinforce it because again, God left his holy word here for us to study so that we can show ourselves approved so that we can walk in a way, walk in a manner that's pleasing to the Father. We do our best. So I hope you were blessed by that. So let's get ready to close this out. Take care. So this is the time where those of you under the sound of my voice, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to do something and take a look at Romans 10, 9, and 10, where it says that all you have to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ Christ, rose from the dead and we're going to combine this with acts 2 38 and 39 where it says and peter said unto them repent and be baptized and so you can pause the video if you need to but we're going to combine those two this is just a time where you just repeat after me and say heavenly father i want to just thank you god for inviting me to your table, God. I thank you, Lord, for sending your Son. I believe that Jesus Christ died on my behalf, His blood was shed on my behalf, Father. And as a result of that, God, I'm confessing with my mouth. I'm believing in my heart that you raised him from the dead. You said, God, that those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart and call on the name of God will be saved. So I thank you, Father, for saving me. I thank you for this appointed time, God. That you've given me to be birthed into your kingdom Lord I believe that you died for me I accept the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ and you said in your word that this is for the forgiveness of my sins and the promise is for me and my children so God again I accept the invitation today I confess with my mouth I believe in my heart Help me to just make that Holy Ghost transformation in my life. I repent, and because of that, I will also do what I need to do, whatever I can do to be baptized. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. So after we have read God's word and communed with him and had Bible study, our response should be just a hallelujah, just to give him a praise, just to say, thank you, Jesus. So wherever you are, lift up your voice, lift up your hands right now and just say, thank you, God. You truly are a good, good father. So with that, be blessed in Jesus name. Amen.